When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sup Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell-Smith. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. The urgent question of the day, what did you do during the six-hour Instagram outage? What did you do, Elise? What did you get done in those godforsaken six hours when we didn't have access to Facebook, Instagram, Um, or WhatsApp? I was, I'll actually say, I don't want to make anyone jealous because I was incredibly productive. Wow. I not only watched The Many Saints of Newark, I also, (laughs) (laughs) I also restarted The Sopranos. So, (laughs) so I really used the time um, as wisely as I possibly could. And I know it's Newark and not Newark, but I went, I lived in Newark, Delaware for too long that I just, I can't, I can't make the switch. Anyway, uh, both, I liked Many Saints of Newark and um, The Sopranos is still one of the greatest shows of all time. So, yeah. (laughs) Is it a movie or is it a TV show? It is a movie. I went into it not knowing if it was a movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. I was like, let's just put it on. It's a movie and you can watch it in theaters, I believe, but it's also on HBO Max. And like, I don't know if you like The Sopranos, you're going to like it. It's not as it's not as good as like the best episodes of The Sopranos, but it's as good as like a s- middle of the road episode of The Sopranos, okay. which I haven't gotten to watch a new it. one of those in a long time. And totally. um, it's a prequel. So it's very like winky like they'll be like and here's carmela like yeah which, a lot of fan you know, service you, yeah <laughs> if you don't like that stuff it might annoy you but i actually love that stuff so i had a good old time watching it at what hour did you decide you know what i'm gonna rewatch the sopranos i've made the decision i guess probably after well, you watched the movie that inspired yeah it. yeah exactly i was like well now I have to watch The Sopranos. Like, th- so th- it's really must. the only reaction to finishing the movie is to be like, well, now I have to watch The Sopranos. Also, the way they end it, which I'm obviously not going to say, mm. but like, it leads pretty nicely into beginning The Sopranos. <laughs> Love it. Mm-hmm. I will share what I did while Instagram was down. Um, mm-hmm. I taught, I have a long resisted teaching my dog the trick where you like pretend to shoot them. And they like go on their back. Like, have you oh. seen dogs do this? You go like bang. And then they're like, they, they go on their 
their back. I think that it, I just, it's very adorable, but I'm like, I don't want to teach my dog to do that. It like trivializes gun violence. It's aggressive. Well, friends, Morty can now, when I point to him and say, bang, that little dog flies on his back. He learned it so fast. So that's what we did in the six hours. I taught my dog how to, how to I taught my dog a couple of new tricks. Old dog. Oh, hey, please put that on your story. Yeah, that's I, okay. Put that on your story. <laughs> I need I honestly, to see Morty doing this. <laughs> I had a very boring, like typical day because I just worked the entire time. <laughs> I do TikTok. A, I manage the TikTok, but also, yeah, I, you know, I'm like editing videos every day. So it's just like, I just did that. <laughs> yeah, it is so strange, even with this job, just to realize, like, we know our jobs are mainly Instagram at Betches, but just the amount of times I reach for my phone to do something I thought I could do, but nope, can't do it yet. That's so the I just other thing. I just realized how often I just I just realized how often I checked fucking Instagram without thinking about it. You know what I mean? I know. Like I've I made the I've done I've dumped Twitter from my phone, and I am not on Twitter really that much anymore, which was for my mental health, and I think it yeah. makes makes it like for a good thing. But also, I think I'm like checking Instagram so much For more sure. now. And that made, yesterday made me realize that I was like, oh, fuck, I probably should chill out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that the fact that this social, these social media platforms went down and there was like a global outrage and it became a cultural phenomenon. Like, I think that means we're pretty addicted because like Seamless yeah. goes down or like Postmates, those things go down all the time. And there's a little Twitter fodder about right. it. But that was the news of the day was that an app was out. Even if the Citibank app went down for mm-hmm. six hours, like people would be upset. There would maybe it would maybe trend on Twitter because people are like, are you trying to use the Citibank app? And then like the algorithm mm-hmm. would pick it up. But it wouldn't even be as big of a story as Facebook going down. And I think for us, like as people who use Instagram for work and very often, it's like if it's down for a couple of minutes, we always notice and it'll turn, maybe it'll turn a little bit on Twitter, but then it's usually restored quite quickly. Um, but in this case, it was just gone for so long that people actually who don't use it all the time, even they noticed, you know, it was, so it's just like, even if you're not checking every five minutes, people are checking every half hour at least. Right, exactly. Usually by the time that people that are using it are flagging it, the app can like fix it. But yesterday's outage across Facebook's platforms, including Instagram and WhatsApp, was caused by a quote, configuration changes made internally on the company's backbone routers. So whatever, whatever that means. And Facebook apologized to all people and businesses around the world who depend on us. And I feel like they got at the problem with their monopoly in their apology. Obviously, the degree of disruption to normal life when these servers went down from people, you know, not being able to communicate on WhatsApp, which is pretty serious. That's like the primary form of communication for some people somewhere to less urgent things. Like, I mean, maybe they're not less urgent, but like a lot of people earn income on these apps. And I I know our schedules are a little messed up. You got to push everything around. So it really highlighted Facebook's monopolistic hold on much of the technology we depend on to earn money and just communicate. AOC pointed this out um, in a video on her Instagram, just being like, that's the problem. The problem that this was so noticed and like catastrophic and Facebook stock plummeted like 5%. Mark Zuckerberg alone lost $7 billion because the app (laughs) was down for six hours. Do you feel like this highlighted like just what a, what a chokehold they have on us? Oh, yeah. I reposted the AOC video because I thought she did such a good job explaining it. But, you know, Facebook bought Instagram and WhatsApp because it saw them both as competitors. And also, I mean, Facebook 
had literal plans of world domination. Not not a few years ago, Mark Zuckerberg thought he was going to run for president of this country. And number two, they tried to start a currency. We forget that like three years ago, they tried to start their own money. And then like, I think the FTC or someone stepped in and was like, that's a bridge too far. But like, they want to own the entire internet. And Mm -hmm. if Instagram and WhatsApp were separate companies, then this outage would not have been, I mean, it would have still been a big deal that Facebook was down because a lot of people are down on Facebook, but like many companies have their businesses disrupted because of this. You know, many people use WhatsApp for communication with family that are overseas and stuff like that. Like you don't know what six hours of disruption with these like everyday life apps can really do with people. And if Facebook did not own all of these apps, it would not have been as widely felt and spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And usually when we're talking about monopolies, we're, it's a little bit hard for the average consumer to understand because we're mostly talking about how like over time, lack of competition is bad for us because we're not getting quality services and we're not getting good prices. We don't often get to experience what that feels like when a, some, like a monopolistic power, like force suddenly is not accessible to us. So she said it like, she, I thought it was a great opportunity to point out why why, what breaking up, why people say we need to break up these big tech companies? What do they mean? We're not just saying, it's not just the government wanting to be like bullies and, and them not get too powerful. It's like, it's just not good for human beings if one company handles all of our shit, because this could happen anytime. I mean, it's like little, it's, it's already happening. I mean, it's little things that like, they on Instagram changed the swipe up to a stupid little sticker you click on and little mm-hmm. changes like that. It's like you build your entire business model on Instagram so people can get to your other content and you make it look a certain way and you train the audience how to like get to your outside content. And then with one little thing, like audiences are very, very fickle on Instagram. They're not clicking on that button. They're like, where's the mm-hmm. swipe up? And it's like one little thing like that. And they can completely, uh, they can completely blow up a business and blow up, you know, quarters of planning and strategy. And that's just businesses, which are not as important as people who are also affected by this. Yeah. And it's not like these, they're, these companies all are also getting any smaller, they're getting bigger. So it's like the problems are only going to get worse and worse. Uh, And if you don't do something about it, like sooner than later, it's going to just be way too powerful and an outage like this could happen again and be even worse. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. They're such a target. I mean, this one obviously d- didn't seem to be a hacking situation, but what, like, what a target, like what a perfect opportunity for somebody to disrupt so many things in this country if they want to. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes, but beyond that too. Since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, 
only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash fever dream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash fever dream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash fever dream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So this obviously happened. (laughs) At least so many people sent us the subject line or like the beginning of yesterday's newsletter because it was like bad day for Facebook and this hadn't even happened yet. It was already a bad day. other news about the Facebook is dealing with. (laughs) (sighs) It's like our our newsletter from 11 a.m. Like, how did they know? So a week after the Wall Street Journal published internal Facebook research showing the company knew about its destructive effect on society and still pursued the perverse incentives that caused it, the whistleblower responsible for those leaks gave an interview to 60 Minutes. So her name is Frances Haugen. She's a 37-year-old former Facebook product manager with Stinsat, a bunch of other big tech companies, which is relevant just because she was able to speak to the specific insidious impact of Facebook relative to others. We often hear big tech as like all of them are equally uh, destructive, but she's like, that's not true. Facebook is especially bad. She said she joined the company specifically to help address misinformation and civic integrity, having seen someone close to her radicalized by online misinformation. Let's listen to a clip summarizing her main message. This is a really good compilation that the Washington Post put together. The thing I saw at Facebook over and over again was there were conflicts of interest between what was good for the public and what was good for Facebook. And Facebook over and over again chose to optimize for its own interests, like making more money. The consequences of how Facebook is picking out that content today is it is optimizing for content that gets engagement or reaction. But its own research is showing that content that is hateful, that is divisive, that is polarizing, it's easier to inspire people to anger than it is to other emotions. Misinformation, angry content is enticing to people and keeps them on the platform. Yes. Facebook has realized that if they change the algorithm to be safer, people will spend less time on the site, they'll click on less ads, they'll make less money. I think this is stuff we we already knew, but to have it from the inside from somebody with documents, I feel like the the new thing is like Facebook has always known it has hired its own people to identify these issues and they choose not to act on them. They're not like, oh, we didn't know. Thanks for telling us. They know. They know. Of course they know. They're Facebook. 
they, they want to catch these blind spots. Of course they know. Well, yeah. And it always just takes us back to the question of like regulating these enormous companies, because at the end of the day, a company is always going to do exactly what the whistleblower described. It's like we had to legislate to get kids out of mind. Like a company is not going to be like, you know what? Like, it's actually kind of mean for us to make the kids work in mines. So we're not going to do it anymore. Like, no, they're going to be like, get your little hands down there. Like, they don't care (laughs) about, they don't give a fuck. They've never, so it's, you know, this, the solution is going to have to come from Congress and from our legislators. And my hope would maybe be that this is something that you could get a bipartisan group of people to agree on. But it's like, can you get them? Like, I don't know if you ever can. This is kind of a bipartisan issue, though, which which is interesting. I'm surprised there's not much more actual movement on it. Like there are some Republicans who know this is not good. Well, it's you know, it comes down to, you know, lobbying. But also it's like this is what the government and Congress has been doing forever with like you said, like children in mines oil tycoons like yeah you had the at certain point when you know society progresses and we have new technology and you know and at some point things will get out of hand if people don't you know come step in and control it uh i mean we've had the board game of monopoly since like the 1930s like (laughs) we we know know. (laughs) we know what it is and this is it yeah Completely, completely. And another super alarming revelation came when she said that Facebook, Facebook is sort of tries to defend itself by saying, we are able to identify most of this bad information. We're able to catch it and eliminate what is not supposed to be on our platform. Their net is actually terrible. I feel like it's not a net at all. It's got huge assholes. They're catching mm-hmm. roughly three to 5% of hate related content and 1% of violence and incitement. So you think of the billions of people on Facebook, they're catching 1% of that. And that's when they're trying. Haugen also revealed that Facebook dissolved her unit, the Civic Integrity Unit, which was dedicated to political misinformation. They dissolved it after the November election, but before the January 6th insurrection. They were like, we did it, guys. Clean election. It was fine. We knew, we all knew that that period was going to be intense, that that period was going to oh, be yeah. rough. We all knew that that was going to be a dangerous time. I can't, I can't believe that they did that. Well, it's not even ignorance. It's in bad faith because they know, they know, they know that people are saying crazy shit about Biden drinking children's bloods. And so they need to go to January 6th and they know that, and they still got rid of it anyways. It's right. like, so it's, it's more than just like, they can't even like, feign ignorance at this point and so it it, what yeah yeah it's like they weren't like oh great everything seems calm now we can definitely put it back on they were like okay we have an excuse to take it down and let the hate and and violence keep going and going and going even if things seem calm you're a fucking multi multi billion dollar company just keep the unit you got you got the money integrity unit babe like at least for the pr like they like a lot of the stuff that they they were hiding was because they were wanting to avoid bad pr and Mm -hmm. you know when you try and cover shit up that's when shit gets bad that's all the cover-up is always worse than the crime and it's so like now this whistleblower especially on top of this fucking day they had yesterday Mm -hmm. i can't imagine a worse pr nightmare that facebook's ever really had before 
Yeah, I know. Truly. She is, she's testifying today. And then there was an article this morning, Sammy sent to me, I didn't have time to read the whole thing, but it was basically explaining, like, it kind of looks like Facebook's unraveling and they know that they have some dark days ahead and that people are onto them and they're just doubling down on these methods to like drive as much revenue as they can. Their defense for this has kind of been, and, and this whistleblower, she's interesting. I mean, she said in the 60 Minutes interview, she was like, I have a lot of empathy for Mark. He's just made some like bad decisions. They seem to, Facebook seems to be like, we're just mirroring society. Like this is a society-wide problem. It is not us. There's, we are not increasing the polarization. We're just, the polarization already exists and everywhere. So of course it exists on our platform, but that is not true. Like that is- We all know how it's the, not. I mean, it's obviously not true. It's not that much of, you don't have to like be a psychologist to understand that, like, think about how Facebook conversations work. You're like, you know, we already know they try to trick mommy bloggers. You are like going on Facebook. You're maybe getting into a fight with somebody. And you're, if you're just like coasting on Facebook, having a nice time, looking at dogs, looking at your grandparents, you're just grandkids. You're going to go on like once or twice a day. If you're in a fight with somebody about vaccines, you're going to be checking constantly. You're going to be revisiting Mm -hmm. the app all day, all day. You're going to be getting served ads that Facebook wants to see. That is their business model. They know, I mean, at the beginning, they could have thought, well, maybe people will come back to talk about joyful things that will bring them on, but they know that that's not true and they don't care. They don't care. And they see no responsibility to fix these algorithms that are leading people down these paths. It's just evil. It is. And like, similar to how this woman said that she got into, she wanted to do this because she saw someone who in her life, who was radicalized by Facebook. We know in our lives, like most people know someone who is radicalized by Facebook. And mm-hmm. even when when Danny and I were traveling in Arizona and this bizarre anti-vax couple started talking to us, the first thing the woman said was, I saw on Facebook a post that said, if someone asks you for your vaccine card, then you should ask them for every vaccine. And I was like, it, this is happening. When I was having issues trying to get people to get tested for my wedding, I had someone who said, um, everything I've seen on Facebook says you shouldn't take a test. What? I mean, yeah, but it's like, it's, I mean, it's crazy. Like you will hear Facebook cited in the wildest shit that has ever come out of your loved one's mouth. And there's nothing you can do about it. Because they don't do, and that's the other thing is they don't do a good job enough of, of saying that they aren't news. You know, they don't, they don't do anything. Like, and it's like, you know, obviously it's like social media is a place for public discourse and that should be allowed, you know, but when it becomes dangerous and harassment, like, go fucking kill yourself, bitch. Like then like take that down. Like there was right. one story from this. Um, I don't know if you all saw this part about the, the soccer player, Neymar. He, he oh is, God. he is millions, but like 20, he's like one of the top 20 f- most followed people in the world. He, a few like re- years ago, I believe he was accused of sexual assault by some woman and he decided to go live on Instagram and Facebook live and show the, the WhatsApp messages of the receipts, naked pictures of her body um, and her phone number. Facebook left it up for 36 hours. It got 54 million or 54 million views. And if they can't even figure out a way to turn off that after 30, like, what, what are you doing there? What is what is happening behind the scenes that you're allowing this shit to happen? It's crazy. I 
feel like there, yeah, there is some stuff where I understand they think that they might not be able to control it. That I don't, that's unacceptable because like if I put up on our Betches Sup Instagram, like a super pro-choice um, piece of content, we have a campaign of people that will flag our account with abuse complaints. And before uh-huh. Instagram, sometimes Instagram will just shut it, will sort of shadow ban us because they're like, okay, it does. it's not a real person, but they're like, something's going on here. Until we scope it out, we need to suppress this content. And then they come back and they're like, oh, this is fine. And then it gets like released. How is that not happening? With with yeah. with images of people dying and with images of people uh, in private images of people like how is that not getting flagged like all of the incentives but I would be more that was a bit of an aside but I am somewhat sympathetic to Facebook being like well we can't catch everything the second it goes up but they don't need to be developing these algorithms that coax people towards these really vitriolic angry conversations but they are and they know they're doing that and they know the second they stop their engagement's going to plummet and they're going to lose a ton of mm-hmm. money. Well, it's the example of like what they can do with COVID information. You post, you post, like you could post something that has nothing to do with right. COVID and just this vaccine or like, it's like vaccine runs with machine and then like, it'll have a COVID <laughs> and like, like alert, like, you know, information <laughs> thing. Like, why can't we do that for like hate speech, sexual, like this post may contain hate speech. Like it's crazy. I had a, I had my repost of the Nicki Minaj testicles, cousin's <laughs> testicles tweet, get like I got an alert that was like, you have posted misinformation. And I was like, <laughs> well, I didn't actually. I was the information I was posting was that Nicki Minaj had tweeted this. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it was like they found it and they were like, and they like, it was weird. It was like a it was a message I'd never gotten before that said like the information you posted is bad in some way. Right. And like, basically like you're not in trouble, but like we're mad Morning. at you also. Like it was, yeah. it was like a very weird message that I had never seen before. And it was because of the, <laughs> the nets are broken. They are not catching the right thing. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> they're trying no, to you're catch. Right. If I had posted that about my own cousin, they were, would be right to flag it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. but Completely. <laughs> Ugh. So she is testifying before Congress today, and we will see, like I said, just real bad PR weekend, PR week for Facebook. Real bad. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. 
Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Let's do our congressional corner. I don't see anticipate uh, Congress taking much action on Facebook anytime soon. Although I will say what a vindication for Senator Richard Blumenthal. (laughs) (laughs) They took down Finsta. They took it down. He's gone. Laura Blumenthal. I need to send an email to them because I wanted to invite them. I actually, I knew that it wasn't fake news, but that clip was totally out of context. I texted it to people, but I didn't post it. He had said like moments before that he had correctly defined what a Finsta was, but I think there was some sort of like, he knew exactly what the issue was. And that's why I was like, I hate when those moments happen. And when those like Senator, we sell ads moments happen because it makes Congress and our government look like hapless idiots who can't, who don't understand the tech world, who have no business with their hands in it. And I hate that. So like the media needs to not play into that. Like the, the senators are actually not the bad guys here. We don't need to dunk on them. You need to dunk on Facebook for saying, no, we're not going to do anything to keep 13 year olds from getting eating disorder content. Not Richard Blumenthal. He's a nice guy. <laughs> and they did ban Finsta. And they, they did ban Finsta. Finsta. For six hours, it came down. <laughs> <laughs> so Q4 in Congress is off to an eventful start. We spent all of last week anticipating the inevitable outcome that Democrats would not yet be in agreement on the size and scope of Joe Biden's Build Back Better agenda. That happened. Nancy Pelosi, she she does not hold votes. She does not win. I don't think that she, it's, she might not ever have called a vote that she lost or certainly nothing this big. She knew that progressives were not ready to approve the Senate's bipartisan infrastructure plan without a corresponding social spending package. And there was no deal. So they didn't have the vote. Last week's deadline was pretty much entirely self-imposed to encourage efficient negotiations. Some of these centrist Democrats, especially in the House, they really want this bill fixing highways done like fast. They want it done ASAP, which I obviously understand. But like this bill is mostly fixing things that have been broken for a long time. It's like I can go I can bike over that pothole a couple more times if we can also maybe buy some hearing aids for old people. I don't mind. So last week's deadline, like I said, it was pretty much self-imposed, but some people were trying to claim it was tied to highway funding, but Democrats, it was easy enough to simply extend that funding on its own. So now we're maybe looking at a late October vote on those two pieces of legislation. It's hard to understand why we were rushed so much when now this week it's like, all right, we'll figure it out by Halloween. But some moderate House members and senator reacted with fury that the House votes didn't happen. But notably, none have yet really made good on any of their threats to like, nothing's happened. Nobody's like, well, now I'm not going to support anything or you lost me here. I haven't really heard anything to that effect. And Joe Biden doesn't seem that pressed about it. He's like, it's going to take time. We'll make a deal. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I um, I have been very much comforted and calmed by listening to Pramila Jayapal talk about this. 
And um, she seems really confident that they will come together on something. I think I keep going back and forth on whether I think like imposing this deadline and then getting rid of it was kind of a self-inflicted wound, but also moderates were the ones who demanded that they impose this deadline to pass other stuff. Um, and ultimately I think that, you know, these, this was a moment in the negotiation where progressives like had to show that they're serious and they did. And I hope that ultimately we're going to get a better bill with more priorities and more things passed because of it. Because I think until now people were kind of like, are the progressives bluffing? Like, will they blink yeah. type of a deal? And they're blinking or no, I don't know or if they're not blinking. <laughs> they're not, I don't know. They're not blinking. Oh, they didn't <laughs> blink. I, I guess I didn't yeah. understand the metaphor correctly. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every, every analysis I've seen has said like, this is a huge win for progressives. And I'm sometimes, um, not loath to use the term progressives, but it's like that to me, when people say progressives, it implies that's not including Joe Biden, but the progressives are the ones who are fully supported. Joe Biden was three, three and a half trillion dollars. Yeah. We're probably not going to get that, but like progressives in this case include Joe Biden. Yes. Like that's, it's not just this progressive. Also the progressive caucus is a hundred people. So it's, it's not like this very yeah, small group of house members. It's like 70% of the people who voted for them want this stuff too. So it's like, it is kind of weird that this framing is always that the progressives are the radical ones when actually the moderates are the ones standing in the way of anything being passed 100%. It's literally 96% of the House caucus is on board with what the things the progressives want and two people in the Senate who are assholes. <laughs> yeah, that's what Joe Biden said. Not the second part, but he did just say yeah. two people. <laughs> Um, but you know but I was sort of like, do, do you guys think it really is just two people? Because on the podcast a lot, we've, we've, I know what the filibuster, you know, mansion cinema have stood in for people who, a lot of people who probably don't want to eliminate it, but are all 48 other senators on board with reconciliation this, this big bill? I haven't really been following it. So I'm curious, I, Joe, I mean, Joe Biden presumably has, and he seems to think it is literally just those two who are standing that's in what, the way. That's what he's been saying. And I yeah. feel like he would not be coming out and putting that kind of pressure on those two, True. if that was not the case. And he made like, in his speech afterwards, he reiterated that it was two people all the time. So I think it, I think you're right about the filibuster, but I think on this, it literally is just them. Yeah. And like, mm -hmm. to be clear, like to do this kind of like legislation of this size with just a 50 Senate is like crazy. It's so hard. Yeah. This is like, that's why I hate all the, all the framing of like, it's a bitter duel. It's a civil war. How is that helpful? Who does that help? It is not this party takes up everybody with rational thought. And most people are aligned. It's just going to take a bit to coax these Two people, people on. There is no civil war. Also, like when did people come under the impression that Congress is going to do a anything quickly? or be on time. Like it's like construction, totally. you know, when they tell you a date, it's going to be a little bit after that. Um, it's totally. like, so where is this? Like, why is it all of a sudden we're like, Oh my God, they're they, And honestly, like I make deadlines for myself too. It's just so I can actually do it. And sometimes I do have to push it back a little bit, but right. I just need, sometimes people <laughs> just need deadlines. The deadline yes. just like gets to go in. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, actually mean exactly. it will be done by then. Completely. That's why I do feel like it wasn't a self-inflicted wound. Like that's where I'm coming across on it because totally. I think, even though like basically 
well, like moderates, first of all, said that that deadline had to be included. I can't remember what it was that they were passing, but they were like, you have to say a deadline for our infrastructure yeah. thing. And so that's why it happened. But I do think that it actually moved negotiations further Absolutely. along because, I mean, as we're going to get to the pressure on the people who are holding off is now like national spotlight level yeah i feel like i mean after kirsten cinema got the snl treatment i was like here we go this is happening she has a costumes department it was so good it was beautiful all around Mm -hmm. so somebody uh who is very sad that progressives want to ensure the president's agenda gets passed gets passed is kirsten cinema the typically moot Kirsten Cinema suddenly had a lot to say about the delayed vote. I mean, she didn't say it. She just posted a statement. The statement said that Democratic leaders violated trust by not holding the vote and that delaying this infrastructure improvement was just terrible for people in Arizona. Where she has had much less to say is when constituents have publicly confronted her. Constituents and protesters confronted Senator Cinema first outside of a class she was teaching in, at Arizona State University and then in an airport and also somebody confronted her on a flight. It, and res- she has responded to the ASU confrontation. Mostly, she says that the activists violated her privacy and her students' privacy. They went into a public bathroom with many stalls with her. She is acting like they like pounded the door down of a private bathroom while she was putting a tampon in and like yelled at her. This is not, come on, you're never in a bathroom also- alone. Oof, I've got, mm, okay. <laughs> she has ignored them, all of them. I will yes. also say the person who basically begged for her human- their humanity on a flight approached her. Kirsten Sinema says nothing. She says nothing. She just looks irritated. Yeah, I mean, number one, all of these activists have been trying to get a normal meeting with her and she refuses to take meetings with anyone but her lobbyist buddies, okay? Number two, your constituents are your fucking boss. If your boss wants to meet with you, you have to set a meeting with them. Like, <laughs> you don't get mm-hmm. to just fucking ignore them. Number three, they confronted her outside of her classroom and then she went into the bathroom thinking yeah. like, oh, I can go hide in the bathroom. It's not like they like, no, exactly. we're banging on the stall. Like, no, she saw them. She says, I don't have time right now and goes into the bathroom. So she created the situation where they were in the bathroom. If she, if she could have stood and talked to her constituents outside of her classroom, then this bathroom situation would not. Oh yeah. She wanted to protect her students privacy. She could have said, you know what? There's like a conference room over here. Uh, Let's sit down. And here's the thing. So, or she could take meetings with her constituents. (laughs) Or we could not even get to that point in the first place. President Biden, now there's like this civility debate, which I fucking hate these, but President Biden was asked to comment on the viral video of her being confronted in the bathroom. Again, it's fucking public bathroom. There's like eight stalls. Um, And he told reporters that he didn't think those tactics were appropriate, but that it happens to everybody. This does happen to everybody. I have seen much worse people have much better reactions to this. This like, like, I mentioned to Elise this morning, like the example of like Jeff Flake during the Kavanaugh trials when he was like basically quartered into an elevator. Like, I'm not sure if he said anything and I'm sure that wasn't, I, I can't speak for the protesters and they were gratified by his reaction, but he was listening and he was like, I know, I know. Like at times when Hillary Clinton has been confronted, she says things, how, why she disagrees with the protesters in ways that aren't always satisfying, yeah. but it's like, it is part of the job because you know, it's going to get covered. You know, like- Tell them why. Joe Manchin like, was just Joe Manchin was just confronted on his houseboat by Terry 
was like, he was like, God bless you guys. God bless you guys. So glad he came out and he could have realistically, because the houseboat is his house. been like, (laughs) yeah. Hey guys, I'm at home or something. I tried to play that fucking game. But now at this point, sail away. I'm yeah. And he could have sailed away. And he he came out and he talked to the Kai activists at least. But Kirsten Cinema, I mean, I can't. It just it Kirsten Cinema really just wanted to know. Upsetting. Yeah, yeah. He he asked Manchin asked him and then like, are you from West Virginia? Like, I'll talk to you if you're from West Virginia, then we can talk. But like, I'm pretty sure most of these people that confronted Kirsten Cinema, it was in it was in Arizona. Arizona. She could not have reacted to this worse. And it's because mm-hmm. we already don't know what she wants because she can't tell. It's not like she can repeat the thing that she's been saying. We have no idea why it is that she actually opposes this. So she has nothing to say. It's so infuriating. I don't know. I just think it's funny that someone whose last name rhymes with enema hid in the bathroom <laughs> stall, you know? <laughs> so that's the analysis. True People before. come to the Betches yeah. Stuff podcast. <laughs> 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 what's so bizarre to me is that like she seemed like apparently she does want to be like john mccain and like buck against her party's expectations but for john mccain that meant saving health care for millions of people that meant taking votes with democrats and democrats generally help people for her that seems to mean denying critical resources of millions of people it's like a maverick what are you being a maverick for you don't just be a maverick for its own sake you can't just be a contrarian like if you want to mirror John McCain, tell us what you think Democrats are doing that is so damaging and dangerous that you simply cannot stand for it. But she won't. She's like, you got to be nice to lobbyists. I don't like that yeah. we're going to lobbyists. Well, John <laughs> McCain also wrote a campaign finance reform bill, like with the Democrat. That was one of his famous accomplishments. I think it's like not in effect anymore because of course, but like, <laughs> but like he, part of his maverick thing was to not be, yeah. or at least not, I can't say everything about where John McCain was <laughs> financed in his campaign or whatever, but like he at exactly. least worked against for campaign finance reform. And meanwhile, Kirsten Cinema will only meet with lobbyists. She will only do events with lobbyists. She is not responsive to her constituents who in, in this video that the girl, the woman is, talking to her in the bathroom stall, she says, we knocked on doors for you. Like they, mm-hmm. these people deserve answers from yeah. her. And it's actually not okay for her to just be secretly going into the White House and telling them what she wants, but not saying anything to these people who worked for her. Right. Your constituents are your boss. If they are asking you questions, you should fucking answer them. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas Joe Manchin, it's like, I can sort of appreciate when he's like, well, you want liberal policies, elect more liberals. I've never been a liberal. I never said I'm a liberal. And he's not wrong. I mean, he's still the only Democrat. It's not like West Virginia was like, oh, we just we had so many options for our Democratic senator from Joe Manchin. Why did we pick? He's the only guy that can win. It was like, you know, and the original plan the progressives introduced was like something like six trillion dollars. Six trillion. Yes. And so like there's already been that's like it's almost half of that. There's already been a, 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 a large large compromise on the progressive side it's like have you ever not heard the term meet in the middle the middle would be about 3.5 trillion so i don't know yeah that's true yeah 
I want to end with just a little bit of insight on uh, what might be going on in Carson Cinema's mind. I read uh, this op-ed by Michelle Goldberg of the New York Times, and she found a book that Cinema wrote in 2004. It's like a booklet. It's like a it's like a novella. It's you know one of those like hundred page books. <laughs> Any book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> After her time, I might order it from Amazon. Um, during her time as a progressive, progressive in the Arizona State House. It was called Unite and Conquer, How to Build Coalitions That Win and Last. And she mainly talks about like, she was like, I was miserable and I needed to figure out how to be happier at work. So she like talks about learning to open herself up to like new ways to communicate with people who didn't agree with her, even if that included lobbyists and people like that. Uh, She talks about deep breathing in it. And in the end, she said that this approach being nice to people that uh, reject most of our rights to exist freely in the world made her happier. And from this, this is my feeling about Kirsten Cinema broadly. Kirsten Cinema is not in the United States Senate to make herself happy. I am all about like people in normal jobs, not being attached to their work, learning how to manage conflict in ways that just work best for them, ignoring things if they don't have the bandwidth. But bitch, you are in the United States Senate. It's not just like your job. It yeah. affects all of us. It's like it's important for people to separate their personal and their business lives, but not for you because you not are. For you. <laughs> you do not get that luxury. I don't know who told you. That, I don't know who forgot to told you that that does not apply to you, but that does not apply to you. Yeah, like it's actually you're a public servant, and you might get confronted in public, mm-hmm. like that. You. I get confronted also, in public if I wear a sassy T-shirt. Like it's fine. Then- she, she does politics. Wear her, yeah, she does. And music. <laughs> okay, sorry. That is exactly the type of internet comment that we would like. We will end there. Thank you guys so much. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. Brian Russell Smith. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. Bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.